The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Rap and Bloody Disgusting, and everybody calls me Bibbs. You are bloody disgusting. Thank you. You're quite welcome. My name is Whitney Seibold. I'm the I'm the Tom Waits sounding one this week. <laughs> All right for the old whiskey rag. And uh, welcome back to <laughs> Ghastly Vimba! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we screwed up, and this episode was supposed to come out by Halloween, and it didn't. It didn't. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. As, as we've iterated multiple times before, October was rough. Really bad for all it, of it us. It hit us like a bus. I'm still recovering a little bit. Uh, it was fun taking my son trick-or-treating. That's nice. Your son uh, your son had the coolest costume I'd seen in a bit. He uh, he invented it himself. Yeah. He was the cool fairy. Yeah. That's, somebody, cool that's what he called went. it. Uh, so we had, like, a cool shirt and cool sunglasses. And... Uh, we got special pajamas for the occasion. Comfort yeah. was of utmost importance. You I didn't want to wear true. anything that was, like, clunky or uncomfortable. I think that's true for any costume unless you're, like, being paid to wear it. Yeah. Like, if you're being paid to wear it, fine. You put forth, put, you know, deal with a little discomfort. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, don't put on anything you're going to be uncomfortable in. Why bother? It's yeah. not worth it. Like, there are the people who go through, like... Eight to ten hour makeup jobs, like pinhead style makeup jobs, to just go to a con. It's like okay, you'll be photographed, but like that's not your job. Yeah, if you're not like marketing a makeup studio or mm. something like that. Oh, you like this? Well, you should check out our other makeup work and pay us for it. Then maybe. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, maybe yeah. if that's your kink, but like just. But uh, yeah, it'd be th- comfy, man. I, I've. I never did this, but a lot of my friends got those, like, over-the-head rubber masks for their Halloween costumes. Yeah. And those are fun. You can put them on and you're wearing a scary mask. But you can wear them for maybe 10 to 15 minutes before you suffocate to death. Yeah, you gotta go in shifts. You put it, you put yeah. it on for a while, you take it off for a while, you put it mm. on for a while. I remember when I was a kid, we had those... I love that we're still talking about Halloween stuff on, like, November 5th. But Why not? I don't know. Uh, but I, when I was a kid, we used to go to the Halloween store all the time and... Around Halloween, anyway. Mm. And they would always have... Not all the time. But they would have, like, the costume stuff that, like, my parents would get me. You know, the cheap masks, Mm. the little costumey kits, the the plastic swords and fake handcuffs and that kind of thing. Uh, But then they would have behind the desk... The really expensive masks, like this one. Oh yeah, this yeah, is actually yeah, like yeah. Smaug from Lord of the Rings, but <laughs> like, like it mounts up on your shoulders yeah. and it sticks way up over your head. Yeah, yeah. And it was like 150 bucks for that mask, and like there was no way my parents were ever going to pay for it. Mm. And I always told myself, one day I'm going to be able to afford one of those masks. That day has not yet come, <laughs> but maybe well, one day you will go as Smaug. It was a cool mask, yeah, damn it. Full body Smaug outfit. I, I realize just... it'd be expensive, but mm-hmm. I, you know, again, go in shifts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You just uh, have a have a cheaper costume you put on. Yeah, but, but stand like, on your tiptoes. Go as go as your slightly taller twin brother. 
But yeah, my son accumulated a bunch of uh, little little accoutrements that were comfortable to wear. Yeah. Went from house to house. He got to go trick or treating twice. Mm. Once at three in the afternoon and once at seven at night. What's uh, what was your son's favorite Halloween candy? The milk duds. Really? Curiously enough, yeah. this year it was milk duds. Interesting. I give uh, we we gave your son a lot of Kit Kats. Yeah, he and he likes those. Kit you like Kit Kat? Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Okay, and we cool. we are terrible at consuming candy. I hear people about you know, stories of kids when they're going trick or treating and they're growing up, and they just dump out their bowl and they eat their entire bowl of candy within the course of like maybe two days. I've done that. I I didn't, even when I was a kid I couldn't do that. It's like candy oh, no. was too You're much. You're not trying hard enough. Well, candy wasn't uh, wasn't common in my life. Uh, we didn't have it around the house too much. So that's so, why you gorge yourself. Uh, no, it, it it made my body... It, I, my body rejected <laughs> oh, it. Yeah, okay. it's like I ate just a few pieces and I was good. Oh, I see how it is. Okay, yeah. I, thought you were, you were, I thought you were not treating yourself. That made me feel bad. No, I was treating myself by stopping. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, uh, fortunately for, for y'all, we're not done with Ghastly Tobervember. Uh, we do have one more episode we promised we'd get through. Uh, this is an episode chosen by our Patreon patrons. Uh, and it is a follow-up to an episode we did last year. Yep. Because last year, by popular demand, we finally got to one of the most famous and influential Cancel Too Soon shows of all time. We did the 1970s series Kolchak the Night Stalker. With the immortal Darren McGavin. What an interesting... Carl Kolchak. An interesting character. Mm-hmm. Kolchak was. If you missed that episode, it's still available. You can listen to it now. But a uh, quick primer. Kolchak, Carl Kolchak, is played by Darren McGavin, who, if you don't know him from The Night Stalker, is probably best remembered as the dad from A Christmas Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a schlubby reporter, always wore a pork pie hat and a suit that didn't look terribly good. And he just went around... Doing reporter stuff, the day-to-day grind, mm-hmm. and every once in a while he would stumble onto a story that had a supernatural or sci-fi element, and no one would believe him, <coughs> and he would be a pain in everyone's butt about it, <laughs> and so everyone hated him, would, no one wanted to take him seriously, and the story would, uh, never got published right. He would never, like, he would manipulate other people into, like, doing work for him, and he was just not a kind, good man. Well, I think he was but, good, I think he was I think he was a little unethical. Uh, he, was, he was definitely unethical. He was an ethical reporter, uh, he was not an ethical friend. That's for sure. Yeah, he was if you were a bad, his friend, he'd manipulate. He was you, a bad but he, friend. He but he was believed so, in the news. Socially awkward, but yeah, he believed in the news. He was good at his job, and he had to get the truth out there. But he was so brash that he couldn't get help from anybody. And in fact, the first two TV movies, uh, there was a Kolchak TV movie called The Night Stalker. Mm-hmm. It was followed by a film called The Night Strangler, and both of those ended with Kolchak getting fired and kicked out of town. <laughs> so yeah, Carl Kolchak was a wonderful, wonderful creation. Yeah. Um, and uh, the series could have yeah. gone on, but Darren McGavin felt that the show was... Kind of, kind of running run its course. Kind yeah. of run its course, kind of run out of steam. He wanted to do other things and he didn't want to do this show badly. So the ratings mm. weren't so amazing that they forced the show to stick out and the show just sort of ended organically. The show would then get a new lease on life, at least in the discourse, because it was regularly cited as the prime inspiration for the hit 1990s series, The X Files. It was. Maybe not the first, but definitely one of like the the pioneering popularizers 
of the supernatural investigator genre. Yeah, it had been done before, but the X-Files made it a hit. And it's worth remembering that the X-Files wasn't a hit until like season three. Like, it was almost canceled in season one just because it wasn't that popular. Yeah. But they stuck with it because it was a good idea, and eventually it grew an audience. And even though that ended up being more about ongoing storylines involving government conspiracies and all that jazz, um, the basic core tenant of Kolchak, uh, tenant, sorry, not tenant, <laughs> uh, remained, which is here are people who are doing everything they can to investigate the truth behind mysterious, inexplicable phenomena, and mm. in the end, nobody believes them or cares. And there's something <laughs> that was incredibly futile about that. And by Relatably futile. Yeah, oh, yeah. And by marrying that to the conspiracy theory wave of the 90s, which, in retrospect, is so much more innocent than the conspiracy theory wave we have now. Uh, it's, it's dark and hard now. We have, like, yeah. QAnon and stuff. That's not a fun conspiracy. No, they're really terrible conspiracies. And, you know, even even the conspiracy of who killed JFK, there was something sort of grand and mythic about oh, and it. No, and it, weirdly nostalgic yeah. about all of our, our conspiracy theories. Yeah, and, and like, oh, maybe people actually do get kidnapped by aliens. And now it's just, like, maybe these horrible death things are faked by people who... No! Yeah, it's terrible. The whole, whole idea of like crisis actors and pizza oh, gates and all the rest of that nonsense. Yeah, no, it made it not fun anymore. So when they tried to reboot, uh, or not reboot, but revisit the X Files, it just it didn't work anymore. Like this, there were a couple of good episodes, but well, even the when vibe they, was wrong. Even when they brought back the, before they even rebooted the series, when they did the movie, like that was sort of the stopgap. Oh, I want to believe. Like, yeah, yeah. I, the X Files. I want to believe. With Billy like, Connolly. It's like, why are you bringing the X Files back in the George W. Bush administration? There's, and there's why, no place for it here. And why, if you're doing the George W. Bush administration, are we doing some story about a priest who may or may not be crazy? Like that's yeah. the story you felt you needed. Needed to tell right now. Yeah, Billy, Billy Connolly plays a, a, a shamed, uh, sexually abusive priest who also may be psychic and can help with crimes. So I think they're trying to go for like a, a Hannibal Lecter sort of thing. Like they need the aid of this. I think what they were fallen trying to, criminal. I think they were trying to see if they could do monster of the week movies with X Files. Yeah. Like and just say like, hey, every once in a while they fight a monster, which you could have done, but you need a better story than that. Yeah, that yeah. was. That was pretty bad. The, the X-Files ran out of steam, and it's appropriate that we're mentioning the X-Files a lot, not just because Kolchak led into it, and the X-Files led back into Kolchak, yep, but the, crea the creator of this show also worked on the X-Files, yep, was Frank one Spotnitz. of the big muckety-mucks of the X-Files, so we're going to be talking about Frank Spotsnitz. Spotnitz. <laughs> yeah, a couple of years after the X-Files, uh, died an organic death, you know, just withered mm. for a few seasons, and then left us. Uh, but there was a void, and there was totally room for other supernatural investigation shows, and as a result, we got, fittingly enough, a reboot called Night Stalker. I drive at night. The police radio is my compass. Looking for answers to questions I'm only learning how to ask about things adults dismiss. But children are right to fear. Shapes that lurk in the darkness, nightmares that intrude from another realm, forces that spring not from the imagination, but live amongst us, unseen. These forces have taken something from me, something I can never recover. So I stalk the night, looking and knowing. Our fear of the dark never really goes away. We just learn to pretend 
It's not there. Cialis. <laughs> it really sounds like a, a prescription drug ad. My, doesn't my it? wife made that joke. You made that joke, and now <laughs> I made that joke. Independently of one another, too. We didn't. I'm not copying her. We just thought alike. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kolchak. Carl Kolchak is back. This time, he's not a schlubby, annoying guy, but a suave, sexy, wounded man. <laughs> With that voice. With that voice. Uh, yeah, he's really, really good looking, and he's played by Stuart Townsend, a man made of jaw. And <laughs> Stuart Townsend, mm. Stuart Townsend was briefly gonna be a thing, very briefly in the early two thousands, <laughs> from, from like mid two thousand one to late two thousand one. No, two thousand three, because we had we had uh, Stuart Townsend mm. was starred in Queen of the Damned, which was the sequel right. uh, to. Uh, Interview with the Vampire, mm-hmm. the he vastly played, inferior sequel. He played Lestat, the Tom Cruise role. Uh, good soundtrack, bad movie. Basically... Really common in the 90s and early 2000s. Yep. Um, and, and honestly, it's not his fault. He's, he was no Tom Cruise, which is a weird thing to say, but not that Tom Cruise is a bad actor. It's just... He didn't... He's not yeah, really he, considered a great vampire, but he's he, but he's Tom Cruise. He's, he's, he's good, good looking and charming. He was also... Uh, Stuart Townsend was also Dorian Gray... In the film version of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is a big pile of trash, huge turd, <laughs> like really not a good film. Yeah. I've been wanting to revisit to see it's, if it has more camp value than I remember. I mean, it's a good idea. Like, let's oh, assemble all these famous characters from literature and make essentially a superhero team out of the them. The comics were great. Mm. Uh, the that's, movie, that's what I understand. Was, the movie was quite terrible. In fact, Dorian Gray isn't even in the comics. <laughs> they added and, him, and Dorian. I think the twist in the movie is that like he's. Like he's indestructible, right? As yeah. long as the painting is protected. If you're if you're familiar with the Oscar Wilde story about Dorian Gray, mm-hmm. the idea is um, he does not age, but there's a painting of him that is aging in his attic, and if he ever comes face to face with that painting, uh, he will. It's like his body will remember. Oh, right, and then it will age, and he'll. Mm-hmm. Probably die of old well, age right away. It, it also takes on like his sins and iniquities, so like it, it gets like it, fat and drunk, like it absorbs all of the ills he's doing to his own body, so exactly. he can remain young and most importantly, vain and empty. Now the shtick in the Leave a Gentleman movie, which is not a bad idea if you're going for like headcanon fan fiction extrapolations, is theoretically, as long as that painting's there, he also can't die. Uh-huh. So he's basically an immortal sex god. <laughs> so Okay! I'm with you. There's a plot there. Stuart Townsend. Even though I've seen a whole series with him now and saw him in a movie, I still can't really be sure how good an actor he is because he's clearly only cast for how good looking he is. And he's a very Mm. handsome man. He he came exceptionally close mm. uh, to being Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. All right. He was hired... And then the day before principal photography began, uh, they, they, I, they the story is they decided he looked too young. Okay. And Aragorn needed to have a little bit more gravitas and weight. Mm. So Viggo Mortensen had one day to decide if he wanted to commit to the next three years of shooting. Oh, jeez. So they went with Viggo Mortensen. I think it worked out well for everybody except mm. Stuart Townsend. Um, but uh, yeah, so this was a big starring role. Uh, an iconic cult character. Uh, and again, but, a, a void that had been left by the X Files. Yeah, we don't have put, a supernatural show. And right put now. together by one of the heads of the X Files, and it makes sense to bring Kolchak back. It does. Uh, it's a good premise for a show. It's a fine monster of the week premise. Uh, this came out in two thousand five. It aired on ABC, and uh, uh, six episodes aired. There were ten made. <laughs> ten were made. Six were aired. We've watched all ten. 
and uh, all on DVD. And I kind of admire. We we've talked about this a lot about how the the early to mid two thousands was this weird sort of transitional space for serialized television. Mm-hmm. How there were still some shows going for the case of the week approach, you know, your Law and Orders, mm-hmm. which starts, but, they, which are still going strong in their own niche. Yeah, but a lot of cable TV shows were already going for the massive un, one massive unending story mm-hmm. approach. Yeah, we're the, looking the, at stuff the, the like The Wire gonna, or The Shield, and yeah, the story's not going to conclude at in. the end of one episode. It's just going to keep on rolling, and everything's going to get more. Complicated. It's going to be like a soap opera. That uh, and you could see it like a lot of growing pains with certain shows, how they were going through like bigger arcs, but we're still in sort of a, a case of the week mentality. Mm. Uh, this was clearly pitched as and sold as and made as a case of the week show. Yeah. So everything concludes at the end of every episode, and that's the way you want the Night Stalker. Yeah. There's because a th- there is a through line, and there is an arc, and it sucks. Yeah. There's a there's a new thread here. Um, in the ten episodes that we got, they set up a little bit, and it's not so much set up that you feel like nothing got resolved. It just feels like there were some stories that didn't get told. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, Frank Spotnitz has gone on record. As explaining some of the things that was going to happen in the shows, and we'll talk about that at the end of the episode, mm. some of the things that got set up early and where they would have gone. Um, but yeah, this is actually a pretty straightforward show to review in a lot of ways. Um, so let's talk about the opening episode. Well, the the pilot um, just sort of sets up the characters. So... Kolchak in the original series was such an uh, an acidic, spiky character that he didn't really have a lot of compatriots. Like, he had people who he worked with, mm-hmm. but when he's out investigating, he's on his own, and when he's writing, he's on his own. All the weight is on him. And honestly, most of his uh, friends had antagonistic qualities. Like, his yeah. editor would support played, Kolchak, but he'd also give Kolchak shit all the yeah, time. Played by the wonderful Simon Oakland. Ah, Simon Oakland. Will we never escape <laughs> you, Simon Oakland? I hope not, because I love Simon Oakland. Sometimes I look in the mirror and Simon Oakland is there, behind me, <laughs> with a knife. But uh, this time around, he's got a whole uh, like retinue of people, including a Scully. Yeah! He's a Mulder. He believes in everything. He has a job that where he gets to sort of explore uh, his belief. Uh, just like Mulder. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit on the outs with everybody around him, just like Mulder. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit awkward and he's super handsome, just like Mulder. Yep. Uh, and he needs to be paired up with a skeptic. Now, uh, previously, a skeptic was his editor. Mm. But they want someone who can actually wander around with him and interview people to make it feel yeah, a bit more law and ordery. Uh. So instead, he gets a character named Perry Reed, played by the awesome Gabrielle Union. Who should be the star of the show. If she was star on the show. Can you imagine if she was Kolchak, how much better the show would have been? It'd been great. Because Stuart Townsend, Stuart Townsend is fine. Mm. He doesn't really add anything. Like, Darren McGavin's character in Kolchak was an odd character to make a TV show about. He wasn't suave. He wasn't sophisticated. <laughs> he wasn't sexy. He, he was, wasn't mysterious. What you see was what you get. He was taken out of sort of the uh, uh, Columbo mold, just like the the schlub as detective, which was big in the 70s. But even so, in any other like major show or movie, he would probably be a supporting character, like fifth build in the film. Yeah. He, no, like he's he was the star, and that uh, this, made the show very yeah. distinctive. Uh, this time around, they've taken all of that away. Yeah, uh, like like I said, they just made another Mulder. Yeah, he's not spiky. He's not weird. Yeah, he's he's. And they and that, say that he works on weird stuff, but 
I don't get any kind of impression that people find him strange or don't like working with him. Yeah, and the X-Files did a really good job with that. They called him Spooky Mulder, and he lives in the, he works in the basement, and everyone avoids him. He doesn't and, sleep in, in a bed. Yeah, yeah he's, he's always watching weird stuff on TV. There were little things that made him distinctive and odd. And in the absence of that in the script, it was up to Stuart Townsend to make Kolchak... Yeah, okay, he doesn't have to do Darren McGavin. That's that's fine. He doesn't hmm. do his own thing. But he doesn't do his own thing. He does generic stuff. Gabrielle Union, on the other hand, is an interesting, fun performer. And I bet she would have done interesting, <laughs> fun things. I, I would have loved to have seen somebody who can really capture that sort of abrasive quality that Darren McGavin had. But yeah. I know you're you're not doing necessarily a straight remake. Yeah. It's kind of a reboot. They're doing it for the modern I can world. handle that. But if you make um, a change, it's got to be a good change. Yeah. And the... Change made the but, wasn't yeah, there. Gabrielle Union uh, is Perry is the is the skeptic who goes around from uh, site to site, report you know, covering stories and reporting. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she's the one who always says, "I don't think your supernatural story is right." Yep, Gold Jack. Pretty much. Um, they also mm. have a young photographer, a Jimmy Olsen, if you will, mm. uh, named Jane McManus, uh, who is played by Eric Youngman, who. He's probably best known for being in Not Another Teen Movie. <laughs> Who did he play in Not Another he was, Teen He movie? was the Ducky character. Oh, gee whiz. Uh, and he was very, very funny in it. So I'm going to give him a lot of credit for that. It was and, a funny role. And they did have an editor, but he too is also kind of boring. He's not sort of like the Tums popping... Uh, <laughs> Pick the wrong week yeah. to stop skipping sniffing glue. <laughs> the, he doesn't have that sort of slow burn Herbert Lom quality. Right. Uh, who am I thinking of? Um, Herbert Lom. Well, I was thinking of Herbert Long, oh, but Simon uh, Oakland, uh, and also Simon <laughs> Oakland. Was Cam- I was thinking of Cameron Mitchell. That was the uh, actor I was trying to bring to my brain. Okay, but they all have the same quality. Yeah. Um. In now, in the original Kolchak, the 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 original TV movie, hmm. uh, the story was pretty simple. You, uh, Kolchak was working in Las Vegas, hmm. and there was a vampire, and the vampire was killing people, and only Kolchak believed it was a vampire. Uh. In the pilot episode, they do that, but they dovetail a little bit. So instead of Kolchak being just some reporter who stumbles across a vampire, he's investigating a series of mysterious murders, and over time, we realize that they're all connected to the mysterious, probably vampire-related death of his wife. Yeah. And Kolchak was kicked out of Las Vegas, not for reporting on vampirism, which apparently he did, uh, but because he was a lead suspect in his wife's murder. Also, his wife was quite wealthy, which explains why he has a really cool house. Yeah. And I, I don't like that. I don't like that backstory. I don't no. like... I, I, it, a, it's when, generic. It's, it, yeah, it is generic. It deals with fridging, which is terrible. Yeah. Uh, to, that's when a, a female, usually a female character, is murdered... Uh, right away. Right away, merely to give a male protagonist motivation for action. Yeah. It's inherently uh, sexist and crap. It's, it's 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 also well, it's also really just uncreative. Well, yeah, like, bad writing. I'm not and saying it could never be done, mm. but it's it's been such a a, a fallback position mm. for so many uh, uh, movies and TV shows that it's it's hackneyed now. Mm. Like it's all it is. You 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 see it and you roll your eyes. So so we have a, a fridged wife. She's dead before the series starts. And that makes Kolchak into kind of this tortured character. Yep. 
I prefer my paranormal investigators to be into it. That should be their motivation. Mulder, like his sister was abducted. That was sort of, that was revealed early on in the show. But that was also but a long time ago. It was a and long time ago. kind of come to terms with it. He's still investigating it, but he has other interests It's now. not, uh, he was investigating all this other stuff and he was open to all this other stuff because that happened, but that wasn't his primary motivating factor as a character. Yeah. For Kolchak, it is. And all of the things he's going out to investigate and all these supernatural things are all related directly to it. Yeah. In this way that makes all of the ancillary cases seem a lot less interesting. Yeah, because it turns out that uh, Kolchak's, I think his wife, when she died, she suddenly had a mysterious birthmark type scar. Uh, yeah, there's like uh, a little scar. snake on her wrist. Yeah, on her wrist. It's like a, mm. It looks like a little bit like a squiggle, like a snake. Mm. Um, and it turns out that there's a lot of other people who, when they die, suddenly have that mark. On their wrist, but the twist is, Kolchak has that suddenly on his wrist as well. But he's alive, hmm. and he doesn't know what that means. And throughout the series, we're going to see a lot of people with that mark, even if their stick their stick has nothing to do, yeah, with Kolchak's as a way to sort of connect everything. There's a there's a fundamental flaw, I think, in that in, in that logic. Like you want to sort of make the world well, but, logical, uh-huh. like everything that is not normal is connected in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get it. E- easier to understand. It's easier to understand. Um, it's also a cheat, I think, in the world of investigating the supernatural. Mm-hmm. If every single thing you're investigating is connected to the exact same thing, it stops being exciting and magical, and it doesn't feel like the possibilities are limitless anymore. It feels like there's once you solve that one mystery, everything's okay, everything's done. Yeah, and the real world of just crime doesn't work that way. I mean, he's ostensibly he's a crime reporter. Gabrielle Union yeah. is officially the crime reporter. Crime so, is all kinds of crimes, and they are not all connected to each other you know through some magical coincidence. They, they are uh, the, the action has been transposed to Los Angeles. The name of their paper it's not the Bugle. That's no, Spider Man. That is Spider Man. Uh, it's, it's the the. the Garotwire. I, I forgot what it was called. I, the Garotwire? <laughs> Thanks That's for calling. dark. Well, it, it's it's a smaller news. It's not like the LA Times. The LA Beacon. The LA Beacon. That is correct. Uh, the LA Beacon, uh, clearly a very small paper. It's not the big Times. And yet, it still exists in that weird fantasy universe, the same one with, uh, as Living Biblically, where they have... Uh, <laughs> This wonderful bullpen, like this 1940s bullpen of staff writers, so much so that they can have three crime writers on permanent staff. Yeah, working every single day, and everyone uh, gets shiny they, corner offices. Yeah, everybody, and... they have this big open, and there's, their, their offices are uh, up by the Getty Center, the, the part that's on fire right now. Oh, yeah. It's over there, because it oversees the 405 freeway. Yeah, yeah, it does, oh. yeah. So it's it's this really cushy like office up in the hills, like in and, Brentwood. Like yeah, that's a, that's expensive. Yeah, real and, estate. Yeah, and they have all these staff writers. So clearly, this is a fantasy parallel universe where a newspaper can afford to have two permanent crime writers. I, I wish it had been more like the L.A. Weekly in the early two thousands, which was which is a free newspaper, mm. and it recently got took over by a shady conglomerate of conservatives who took this awesome local oh, newspaper gosh. full of local. Local news and editorials and, 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 and wonderful, and wonderful writers, yeah, and an art 
like writers and critics and everything that really explored the massive culture in Los Angeles. It was a thick newspaper. It was free every week. It was everywhere and it was great. And now it's like 10 pages twice a month, mostly ads, mostly ads for weed stuff. Yeah. And the guys who took it over said, yeah, we're going to focus on weed culture. Have you read the paper? There was always stories on LA weed culture. Yeah. Even before it was legal here. Everything. Yeah. So, but yeah. it, but in the early in the early two thousands, the LA Weekly was still pretty damn cool, and no, it, it would have been kind of bohemian kind of... and small, and yeah. you know, really yeah. fighting and struggling. And you know, we're a free newspaper; we have to make our money through subscriptions. So mm. the, the the stories had better be good, and yeah. And, and there's also a place for like outre weird stories in the back pages of something like the LA Weekly. Yeah, you're totally right. It should have been an alternate weekly. Yeah, that would, that it, would have been it, the place for Not it. just a daily newspaper. And someone writing stories like Carl Kolchak could have probably really found... Like, I can see a regular weekly column hmm. in the LA Weekly about urban legends and hearsay yeah. and old mysteries getting unearthed in Los <laughs> Angeles. I would have read the shit out of that. Can you imagine a Kolchak who like lived on Venice Beach in like, a little <laughs> shanty shack? And he had, like, a, a white guy with dreadlocks and has an iguana. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. I'd yeah, watch I can, that show. I can watch that. I can mention that too. Here's the thing that pisses me off the most about the pilot episode of Kolchak. Um, well, first off, just the, the story is fine. They solve things and it's fine. And it turns out Kolchak didn't kill his wife and people are going to work with Kolchak. But, but there's like people coming up to Gabrielle Union saying, you don't know anything about Kolchak, man. Yeah. It, he's yeah. dark and tortured, man. Yeah. Don't he's, fall in love with him. He's, uh, he's like updated for the 90s, even though it's 2005. The the part of the... I was watching it and I'm like, okay, it's early 2000s. This is what mm. they thought was cool. This is what I thought was cool in the early 2000s. I grew up, thank God. Um, but uh, there's a bit right at the end where I'm, I'm... And if Michelle was here right now, my partner, my wife and partner could attest to this. This is when I got up in bed and yelled, fuck you! <laughs> at the end of the episode... Gabrielle Union reads Kolchak's story and he left out all the shit about vampires. And she mm. says, what What happened? We investigated all this stuff and there was the supernatural. And Kolchak said, he didn't say the editor spiked it or it mm. got rewritten or the editor said, we can't, this, this is all hearsay and we'll get in trouble. Yeah. Kolchak said, oh, I left, I didn't put it in there because the world wasn't ready. So, uh, but one day I'll have enough yeah. information and they'll have to listen. And I'm like, no. No, now, that that's the antithesis of Kolchak. The, the, the Darren McGavin Kolchak was like such a dick because he believed in what he was writing in. Mm-hmm. And he would actually like be in a big like press conference with the police mm-hmm. and would stand up in the back and say, isn't it true they found puncture marks in the neck like a vampire? Like yeah. you just say that out loud and everybody's like, what, what do you ta- stop wasting our time? And even the cop would say, shut up, Kolchak. The thing with Kolchak is but, and, he and believed in the people. Sorry. Turn around and Kolchak would just say, wait a minute there. You're trying to cover up the truth about the vampires. So, of course, everybody thought he was crazy, but he pursued it because he knew it was true. There was nothing to disprove that theory well, the in Kolchak's other, mind. And, and, and indeed, he was always right or almost right. Yeah. Like he was like off by a little. But like <clears throat> the thing with Kolchak is Kolchak believed, he was highly principled, he mm. believed that the people had a right to know, even if it hurt them. And him. Even if it hurt him. He mm. believed that information is valuable and it should all be out in the open and people can deal with it however they will. And he was constantly 
stymied by editors and politicians and uh, even like corporate people or people who ran hospitals or all that kind of stuff. People who said, actually, there is a very legitimately good reason why, even if this is true, it shouldn't be public knowledge. Mm. Sometimes they had a rock solid argument. Sometimes they were, there's an argument that they were right. And I appreciated that the show, even though they were often dicks about it, mm. acknowledged that Kolchak's extreme principles sometimes made him wrong. <laughs> sometimes made him irresponsible. So when sometimes when the story was spiked, it's probably for the best in this situation. But yeah, if Kolchak does it himself, if Kolchak self-edits his supernatural adventures and makes them a generic news story, why are you doing this, man? <laughs> why are we watching your show? Like, you should want the fucking world to know. That's 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 not just because the original show did it, it's because that, that's, that's an ethos. That's, that's a, the reason these things exist. Yeah, if you're not that into it, I don't the, care. You're a reporter who's looking for the truth. The truth is out there. <laughs> report. Feel, report. I feel like it. you've heard that before. Damn it. <laughs> I've seen it on another show. I think it was Millennium. <laughs> uh, it was Harsh Realm. Oh, sorry. Harsh Realm. <laughs> starring the Lone Gunman. Uh <laughs> So yeah, we so now we have a Kolchak who has no principles, mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of character, has a, a shady, hackneyed motivation, uh, and is played by an actor who's not bringing any kind of character or wackiness to it's it. It's a really good thing Gabrielle Union was on this Gabrielle show. Union saves this show from being completely unwatchable, and it's not good. And it's not even like she gets like this really amazing character. She just makes a pretty generic character pop. Because she's very charismatic and good at her job. Yeah. Boom. That's all you need sometimes in television. <laughs> charismatic, good at your job, and but the job of acting, I mean. Yeah. Like, yeah, I yeah. believe that she's a reporter. Mm. That's not something every, I do all the time. Sometimes so, you tell me you're a reporter, and I'm like, yeah, I'll go with you for 40 mm. minutes, I guess. Yeah. But Gabrielle Union is a reporter? I'm like, yeah, I'd buy that. I could see a whole show about her as a reporter. She'd make a great Lois Lane. Um, she would make a good Lois Lane. Right? Uh, the next episode is called The Five People You Meet in Hell. Uh, and it is an episode about uh, a bunch of people who suddenly, and for no reason that anyone can surmise, just decide to kill somebody. <laughs> just they kill their husband for no reason. And it turns out they're being triggered by a, uh, uh, a code word or uh, code sentence. Well, they're... And uh, the, the code sentence is, uh, you know what you have to do. Yeah. And uh, and then they, they go off and kill someone. Well, and you know what you need to do. Something like it's, that. I think yeah. it's you know what you have to do. But regardless, mm. then they kill somebody and then they don't remember why they did it. And now they're in jail because they obviously did it. And, and, and they feel terrible. Cause, yeah, yeah, of course they like, do. Th- one of them kills themselves in jail. Well, it's tragedy. It's uh, and it's revealed that the people who are committing the murders are responsible for putting away this Manson-like cult figure, who is now blind and in prison, but is still somehow masterminding these murders. Now, mm-hmm. uh, the guy is it, played by Tony Curran, uh, a rather good actor. He was on Deadwood and Ray Donovan. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, uh, he, he's, he's quite seen good. Deadwood or Ray Donovan. Uh, he was in Crazy Head. We reviewed that a few seasons ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was he uh, like a I think demon? Was the, I think he was one of the demons. All oh, right. Yeah. He, he he looks like he's good at playing demons. Yeah, he's played a lot of bad guys. Uh, so yeah, and he's uh, sort of been infiltrating their minds. The the cool scary thing about this episode 
is that when uh, somebody gets sort of like that commandment to commit murder, you know what you have to do, it's from a dead relative. Now, I'm not exactly sure what kind of what the ethos is like what the mythology they're trying to build with this is like if you psychically influence somebody why do you need to do it via like a puppet of their dead relative like clearly they're being hypnotized into doing this anyway like they're not being convinced by a dead relative they're just sort of are are into it but it's it's really spooky when you figure out what's going on when this mysterious figure will just sort of have a casual conversation and there's one bit where uh the cop that i really liked where the cop uh, who's working on the case in this episode is getting mm-hmm. on an elevator and another cop comes running up behind him and says, Hey, Hey, what you doing? Slow down. And they start having like a little bit of banter, like in a cop show. Mm-hmm. We hadn't seen that other cop before, but they're doing a little bit of exposition. And then the cop that ran in from off camera says, Oh, and by the way, you know what you have to do? You're like, Oh shit, that guy's dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good twist. It was, a good, it, it was a good, effective twist. Well, it's essentially, mm-hmm. it, it, there's, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I'm trying to, I don't I know. I wasn't, there aren't that many people I've been terribly close to who have died. I've been very lucky in that regard. Mm. But a part of me is like if my dad, who sadly passed away like five years ago now, um, if he just sort of ran up to me in the street and say, hey, hey, one second, you forgot to call your mom. He'd be like, okay, cool. Thanks, dad. What? <laughs> because you just fall no. into that rhythm so naturally. Mm. So, yeah, that works. And it is kind of creepy. You're right. Um, and and Kolchak figures that out. Yeah, basically. And, next, <laughs> and that's, that's about most of these go. Well, and, and I appreciate that, though. I appreciate deficiency. Yeah. Figure out a mystery. Tell it interestingly. Close it off. Yeah. Good. Well, and that's Good. the thing you want to do in these kinds of shows is you, you introduce a, a scary idea, and at first it seems like it's obviously one thing, mm-hmm. but then it turns out it's something else, and then, ha-ha, it's this other thing. Yeah. So you need, like, three reversals. And actually... A really good example of that is one of the better episodes of the show, I think, is the next episode, episode three, which is called Three. Uh, and in this one, uh, there is a woman... It's, it's a, the Skull and Bones episode. Yeah, yeah, there's a secret society in this local college. Um, I think it's like supposed to be UCLA or something, but um, it's a secret society, and in order to get in, you have to face your ultimate fear. Yeah, you have to go to a spooky mansion... And that's part of your hazing ritual, but it's not like a fraternity. It is like a skull and bones sort of thing. A yeah, skull- it's a secret society. It's full of secrecy. You're not supposed yeah. to tell anyone you're in it. Um, and uh, someone... Did you ever see that movie, The Skulls? Actually, I never did. With Paul Walker and... Um, mm. Was Joshua Jackson? Joshua Jackson. It was, was a Rob yeah, was Cohen kind of... joint. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw it. Is it good? I don't remember. <laughs> there's very little. I, I remember there was a, a, like a lot of queer tension between the, the two male leads, but uh, they didn't actually kiss, so who cares? Who cares? Uh, moving on. Uh, so in this one, there's uh, the the one of the people who's going to be inducted like drowns, but without being in water. Like her, her greatest fear is that she is drowning, and yeah. she ends up like her lungs are filled with fluid, but she was never in she's, water. No, she psychosomatically drowns. Like her, like mm. her throat constricts, and it drowns her oh, as right, though she right. was full of water, but she actually wasn't. Mm. And uh, at first, they think there's some creepy murder plot going with the Skull and Bones Society, but it turns out it's uh, that's whole Skull and Bones thing is a coincidence. The mansion where they did these things was haunted. By the ghost of a small child who saw his dad murder everyone in his family <laughs> it's a, it's, and died of fear. It's the Amityville house. Yeah. Basically, yeah. it's the Amityville house. and Or actually, a little bit more like the Grudge house. Because the ghost starts following people around and mm. starts killing them <coughs> via fear, much like the child itself actually died. The child died, scared so much that the child just died. So everyone else starts experiencing things that would scare them that bad. 
Hmm. That's fine. I got nothing against that. That's no. that's a, it's honestly it's kind of scarily uh, uh, directed. Uh, it's not a bad episode I, of I TV. Like, it's probably I think it's probably my favorite episode that we get here. There there was a good uh, and the one like cute little twist is that uh, everybody's really afraid they have to face their darkest fears and of course they die via their darkest fears. And one of the kids' darkest fears was the house they had to go to to do it. Because the reason they were at that house is because they knew, that was they the knew dude's it was, house. It was, quote, haunted, and yeah. and he was afraid of getting killed by the ghost. And that was a good way to manifest it. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. clever, actually. Yeah, like, that's, that's a pretty good episode of TV. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, the next episode, episode four, is called Burning Man, which I was very disappointed to discover was not set at Burning Man. That hasn't been done yet, has it? Like I don't a, think a I've slasher seen movie at Burning Man, or just any kind of horror movie at Burning Man. Like yeah. you'd think it so would it's... lend itself so well. I mean, Burning Man is already kind of take off on the Wicker Man. Like <laughs> yeah, the, I the mean, festival it is. itself is it kind of like a burning a dude. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean, it's an effigy, but like you know, still, hmm. we don't know who's in the head of that thing. Uh, instead, it's basically kind of like a voodoo doll episode there's like these little tiny wax figures that people keep receiving and if they touch it they like spontaneously combust yeah um and at first you're like oh is it supernatural but it turns out it's actually just a really cool chemical that does that um okay i think i kind of appreciate that yeah that uh we have Carl Kolchak, who's just investigating weird crime, right? And he typically finds something supernatural about it. Now, uh, Darren McGavin always found something supernatural. There was never any kind of, like, double back. It's... uh, And uh, same with the X-File. I think the X-File is, like, once or twice there was sort of a joke episode where it turns out it wasn't a monster at all. Yeah. It was just, like, some weird guy. Yeah, or at the very Mm. least it wasn't... It was more banal than they thought. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I think I kind of appreciate that... It was just a creative copycat serial killer doing his thing yeah. with, like, weird chemicals and, and wax dolls. Really elaborate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really elaborate, which is not, you know, entirely believable and makes mm-hmm. for, like, a less interesting story. It's kind of contrived, yeah. But uh, I, I I think I like that once in a while they're going to p- come upon this really weird crime that has nothing to do with the supernatural. It's yeah. just a really weird crime. Yeah, all right. Well, I can mm. I can I can deal with that. I just didn't think it was a particularly interesting episode. I thought it was so elaborate. I, it lost me. Yeah. Uh, there there are, and there are a bunch of twists that I don't even remember. Uh, frankly, the, the episode co-stars Michael O'Keefe, uh, who of course makes me think of how much Keefe is in this movie anyway. <laughs> Michael, Michael O'Keefe. <laughs> you think of Miles O'Keefe? I know. Uh, in any case, eh. <laughs> uh, the next episode is called. I'm, I think I'm pronouncing this wrong. Malum, 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 Malum. Uh, and this is uh, another episode that starts as one thing, becomes another thing, and reveals itself to be another thing. I actually Star- starring the kid from Unbreakable. Oh, was it that kid? Yeah, was that, that kid? Looked familiar. It was the kid from Unbreakable who they brought back for Glass? Oh if you yeah, no, I didn't notice that. Yeah. That was fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so in this one, it's a creepy kid episode. Uh, most well, it's it's a creepy abusive dad episode until it, we learn that it's a creepy kid episode. Yeah, so there's a kid. He's in school. His dad is super creepy and says really threatening things to all the teachers. Teachers start to die in mysterious ways. Other parents start to die in mysterious ways. We assume it's the the bad father who's yeah. going after them, but it's as it turns and they start figuring out that there's a demon involved and that a demon might have possessed the father. Yeah, because the father was uh, was a priest who was involved in a very long exorcism that resulted in the death of the person he was exorcising. And I actually thought it was really funny how, 
without ever like, <laughs> somebody died, and I thought it was funny. No, 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 no. It's yeah. the the well, obviously it's fictional, so I'm, I'm it's, not a it's monster, fun. but yeah. um, we we can laugh at fictional death all we like. But like, no, I thought it was funny the way that they like extrapolated what happened because it's like, oh, okay, so there was an exorcism, mm-hmm. and then the person they were exercising died. Well, we've seen the Exorcist, so we know, and the Exorcist three, so we know that the the, the demon just. Went into the priest, right? Oh, so clearly he's the demon, right? Turns out it went to the kid, yeah. And the priest is like, I can't really exercise the kid at the risk of killing the kid, so yeah, I gotta, the- I gotta just take care of this kid and do my best to keep everyone safe around him. What was the? I don't, I don't recall the detail. Was the the dad like killing at the behest of the kid, or was the kid killing and pinning it on the dad? I think the kid was killing it, but it looked like the dad was doing. Okay. It. Um and. Uh, yeah, they they realize this all kind of too late, and the the surrogate father uh, ends up mm. getting like killed, and then the kid ends up getting adopted uh, by another family. But then uh, the dad of that family admits to investigating detective Tony Todd, <laughs> who I would hope they'd bring back as like a regular foil for Kolchak mm. because. He's Tony Todd, and they, he's awesome. They structured it so badly. It's, like a, it's, it's supposed to be like flashbacks, and yeah. he's revealing it in an interview, but that's such an afterthought. It's like it, it feels like an interruption when Tony Todd shows it, up. It actually feels more than anything like they did the episode and then realized it was too confusing, and then they shot a framing device just to keep it like straight yeah. with the audience. Like It does not play like it was designed that way, because it's too confusing on top of that. Like It's double backs and everything, mm-hmm. and... Uh, but yeah, and then I did like the ending of this, where it turns out that I think it was the the other kid who killed the kid who was the demon, and now mm. the dad was taking the the rap for his son. Right, right, right. Um, and I was like, okay, mm. bit of tragedy. Yeah, okay, kind of dark, so unnecessarily confusingly told. <laughs> but there's good stuff in this episode. I, I think that's, there's a good ideas. I think it's one of the weakest elements of the show. Is you know, you look at an episode of the X Files; those things are tight. Yeah, they're tight as a drum. The good ones, yeah, even uh, the bad ones are at least like, are, are at the very least straightforward enough. Like you're not, you don't yeah, leave like, going, wait, what happened? Well, they're like occasionally it's like okay, here's the El Chupacabra episode, but it turns out people are turning into El Chupacabra, and <laughs> they're not and one. they're not drinking goat blood. They're like making fungus grow in people's throat. Wait a minute, this is not anything I know about a Chupacabra. All right, uh, tell me, tell me, uh, uh, tell me about this next one because I'm actually trying to remember how this one went. Well, uh, the source, the source, and the source. This is the two parter. Oh yes, yeah, that's this, why this I was is, having trouble. This with is this. the two part episode. Yeah. So, um... This all comes, all of the arc stuff, all of the stuff you don't care about gets a two-part episode (laughs) where Kolchak has a, a, quote, a source that he's been going to from time to time that's been giving him all of his information. We don't ever see him go to this source, Mm -hmm. but he assures us that he has one. And we hear him talk to this source Mm -hmm. on the phone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but, but he's never having secret meetings. We haven't met this source. Not like special ce- celebrity guest who shows up from time to time. I'd cast someone like Henry Gibson. I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Watching, well, I'll tell. We can, I can tell you at the end of this because Frank Frank uh, Spotnitz revealed who the source was. Mm. In like, this is what would have happened if the okay. show had continued. Uh, but uh, yeah, so the so but the federal agent who gave us a lot of exposition in the first episode is back and really wants that the name of that source, mm-hmm. and also uh, that source might have something to do with. A, like a pair of supernatural bikers who are chasing people around and killing uh, it's them. It's four supernatural bikers, but oh. yeah. All right, because it's four bikers of the apocalypse. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah. Uh, like, so, they don't ever call them that, but that's what's implied. So Kolchak is being like rattled by the FBI, and he knows there's only he can only not tell them for so long hmm. before they try to leverage against, things against them or arrest him or something. So he tells Gabrielle Union uh, and and Jimmy Olsen, uh, "Hey, you need to figure <laughs> out who my source is." And like, you don't know? Well, I don't know their name or who hmm. they are. Also, I, or or what role they really play on the show because he does such crappy reporting. Yeah, that he's not like he's just going to crime scenes. He doesn't like the source isn't really giving him a whole lot. But it, all of a sudden, it's the import. It's like the crux of the show. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, there's like a witness. A, agent, to something. Yeah, there's a witness or there's a federal agent who's on the run and who's was shot and has to hang out in like a. a a convenience store uh, just over the border of Mexico. And it turns out, like, the woman who runs a convenience store starts falling in love with them, but he mm. can't tell her that she's that he's married. So we spend and... a lot of time oh. with this guy on the run and this uh, Korean shop owner, and they don't speak the same language. And I think it's supposed to be really sweet, but I sense no chemistry between those two actors. There's a scene in which she gets someone who's bilingual mm. to tell him how she feels. And he unloads, and you see her like, uh huh. Hmm. And the guy's just like, yeah, I, no, I, no, I can't. <laughs> that scene's actually kind of heartbreaking, not because I, you know, I'm interested in all the plot, just because she's selling it. Yeah, and I felt bad for her. Yeah, they, they, she was like the, 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 the actress who plays the shop owner. I mean, yeah, yeah, don't know who it is. Um, but yeah, she's she's quite good. Yeah. In any case, the second half of the episode, everything gets resolved. The series was canceled. <laughs> In between the two-part episode. <laughs> so if you were super invested in Kolchak, right. you must have been pissed until it ended up airing on the Sci-Fi Network and going on iTunes. But uh, So we can we can skip right on ahead to episode eight, thank God. Yeah. Uh, they, they, <laughs> real, and really, like, because we don't learn the actual identity of the, the informant. Right. Or his source. And we still have no clear ideas to who the source is or who those phantom bikers are who are killing anybody or what they have to do with anything. Mm -hmm. I, I, I understand Frank Spotnitz was probably trying to pull a Chris Carter on us. Oh, I know he was. I where, guarantee you yeah, that's, where, that was the formula they were trying to follow. Yeah, it was definitely the X-Files thing where um, if you recall um, the, the, like the big alien bounty hunter guys that had like the little needles Yeah, and they didn't really answer a lot of questions about them and they kept sort of like changing their nature as the show went on to keep the mystery alive yeah. and after a while you just got tired of it it's like wait a minute why are your eyes sewn shut now are you a black oil alien why are you killing aliens are you, killing are you alien working hybrids are you, are you against uh, the black oil aliens like yeah, are, are you working for the government I understand that we're supposed to be asking these questions because we're supposed to have like our lo lost equilibrium but after a while you're just jerking me around I, I, I always got the impression that the X-Files was under the assumption it would be really short lived and that they'd never have to answer these questions <laughs> but the ratings kept improving yeah. and they're like shit and we can't pretend we didn't do this stuff so yeah, th this is Frank Spot, and it's trying to create a lasting mystery, but it's not interesting. No. Uh, the next one is about people whose bodily fluids are drained, and it might have to do with cleaning products? Uh, I... Boy, is this episode vague. I don't quite remember. I remember, like, people were sort of, like, self-mummifying really fast. Yeah, people were, like, uh, uh, dehydrated, mm. like, and just found in an elevator going... Uh, 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 Kind of, and, they, and they looked like, um, like they looked a mummy, like, basically. They looked yeah. like the victims of the ghost flower from Tremors the series. Wow. 
There's there there's nice. two series in a row where we've had nice. water, water sucking monsters of some kind, but I don't remember if it was a monster. Or I, not. This is such a we watched this show this week mm. and it's gone. So we're gonna move on. Episode nine. <laughs> episode nine is actually a pretty good episode. It's I called was, yeah. Timeless. Uh, episode nine has a couple of fun ideas in it. Uh, it's it starts off as a pretty standard murder investigation. A woman is found. Uh, dead in the woods, and they think a wild animal did it. Uh, and and uh, she's not just found dead in the woods; her face has been bitten off, and like, like and like punctured too, like, yeah, like through the not, front not of just the skull. The, not just her, or not just her face, like the skin on her face, like the whole front part of her head is just yeah. gone. Like a big um, monster bit, just took a bite out of her face. Um, and this actually brings us to a character we haven't brought up much mm. because we haven't gotten into the real nitty gritty of it, and he usually mm. shows up for one scene per episode. Oh, the um, wisecracking pathologist. There's always a wisecracking pathologist. I and love this one's, the... And this one's a good one. It's played by uh, uh, Eugene Bird, uh, an actor who I remember seeing in everything, but never really having too prominent a role in anything. Uh, but uh, and he's got kind of a flirtatious thing with Gabrielle Union. Mm. Obviously, it never goes anywhere. The show only lasted ten episodes, <laughs> six, but they filmed four more. Uh, I'm I'm grateful they gave sort of the romantic tension to that character and not to Stuart Townsend. I think they realized Stuart Townsend is a paperweight. I think that, I think yeah. they realized that Stuart Townsend and Gabrielle Union had no romantic chemistry, so they had to put someone else in the show. Yeah, <laughs> just so someone felt like maybe they could hook up eventually. Um, but uh, he has, it turns out, a boss. Who is has no imagination whatsoever and is not they're, super I mean, into his job? They're pathologists. You know how romantic is their profession? Well, not about romantic. It's just about um, hey, maybe we should like super investigate everybody. And he's just like, nope, well, animal just, attack. Moving on. Yeah, he's he's bored. Just it's, he's just, just he's his not, job. It's not he's not giving it his all. And the twist we find out very very quickly in this episode is the reason why he is super keen to just write this one off as an animal attack, even though Eugene Bird insists that no, there's all these things that make this highly implausible. It looks kind of like an animal attack to give you, but once you if you actually know what you're talking about, it's clearly not. As it turns out, the, uh, his mom is the killer. Yeah, the 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 pathologist who's and they reveal that pretty early. Oh on. yeah, very yeah. quickly. Like it turns out the pathologist who's in charge of this thing and trying to write it all off is nothing. His mom is the killer, and he's been using his job as a pathologist to cover for her for decades. Hmm. Because it turns out her whole shtick is she has been like digging into the pituitary glands of live people and eating them alive. And, because uh, it keeps her young. Uh, eternally young. She's been alive mm. for hundreds of years. Yeah. like a vampire. But with pituitary glands. And I actually really, really like how, like, over the course of the episode, as Kolchak the... actually starts investigating things and asking questions they figured no one would be crazy enough to ask. Mm. Um, they start, like, getting really nervous <laughs> and panicky about it. Yeah, and like the son starts wondering, like, is my mother gonna kill me one of these days? Mm -hmm. It's only a matter of time, right? And uh, that's fun. Mm -hmm. That's actually like some good little drama there. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find the name of the actor who played the mom. Oh, uh, because it was, she it was, was Mira Furlan from Babylon Five. Oh, she was also in Lost, which is where I recognize oh, okay. her from. Um, also in this episode, the great Stephen Tobolowsky. Yay! One of the great uh, uh, character actors. Most people probably know him best as Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day. Uh, an actor I, who... I, I know it, him as Werner Brandis. Also Werner Brandis. <laughs> I will say this for Steven Tobolowsky. In the entire history of cinema, mm. 
no one has ever taken a punch better on camera than Steven Tobolowski in Groundhog Day. <laughs> when when like it, when it's like the fourth time Ned Ryerson goes up to to Bill Murray in that movie, mm-hmm. and he says, "Phil, Phil Connors," and then Bill oh, Murray and he just says, "Mashes him right in the face." He says, right? "Ned," and he punches him right in the face. And Steven Tobolowski does a full 180 degree spin <laughs> with a head tilt mug to camera, and then falls at an angle. Perfection. <laughs> Wonderful physical comedy. Just the most perfect punch I've ever seen anyone take in any movie. <laughs> wow. It, I marvel every time I see it. Just absolute perfection. What a great actor. But he actually has a fun role in this, and I appreciate it because he plays, you know, in a lot of investigative shows, you meet a lot of experts. Mm-hmm. Oh, we need someone who's an expert in cleaning fluids or an expert in catching mice or whatever. And. <laughs> Here, they need someone who knows a lot about L.A. history because it turns out this type of murder has been done hmm. for decades. And Stephen yeah. Tobolowsky is real snooty about, yeah, yeah, you're going to look up things on the internet? Most stuff still hasn't been digitized. Hmm. I actually know it. <laughs> it's in my brain. And I can show you like all the books and things that they're never going to bother digitizing because they're crappy no. newspapers no one ever read. This was a, a story of... The Kolchak, the Night Stalker TV movie. Yep. There was an episode of The X-Files about this. I've seen numerous films that have this story about the immortal killer. Yeah. And I always love the scene where they look in the old photographs and see the killer in like a 200-year-old <laughs> photograph. I always love that scene. It's always a treat. It's such a cliche, but I love it. They yep. even they even did it in those in those crappy it movies. Didn't work in those crappy it movies because oh. what the heck? was he a clown or a monster or he was, was a, a mon- he'd been a clown for was a the bit. monster possessing this guy. He or found was... he he liked the clown guy and he stuck with the clown persona for a while. That's it. Was the monster was he always the monster though? Or was no, he no, a the human the, here's, who took the form of the th- this of, is this is my understanding based on someone who's only seen the movies and never <clears> read the book. All right. The clown had been using people's fears against them for a really long... Uh, the, the demon had been using those fears yeah. against them for millennia. Right. Uh, and then about 100 or so years ago, maybe 200, uh, there was a guy who happened to be an evil clown living in Derry. In, in Derry. And he was so fucking scary, the clown just like, well, this works. And he just adopted that and he hasn't had to ditch it yet because people still freaked out by it. That's it. Oh. It just took on a persona and it dug it. It's like the bounty hunter in uh, Critters. Oh, okay. Who like became a rock star and it was like, I feel good like this. See, it makes sense in Critters. <laughs> Critters 2, the main course, is better than either of those It movies. Okay, I'm not actually going to fight you on that. <laughs> I, I, I kind of disagree about It Chapter 1, but okay. Mm. Anyway, moving on. The other thing I like about Timeless. Mm. We meet Gabrielle Union's family. And they're oh, yeah. cool. Like, their dad was a reporter as well. And there's not a lot of this, like, bullshit TV, you know, contrived... Contrived tension between t- yeah, characters. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, well, when I was a reporter, we did it like this. Or, we're going to oh, bicker about something. Women yeah. can't be reporters. He's just like, no, they just talk shop. Yeah. And they're cool together. And, like, well, mom and, uh, grins and bears it. And, like, we're all having a good time. There's there's chemistry with the whole family. I yeah. buy that they're a family. Uh, mom is really sort of awkward. Mom and Gabrielle Union don't like the conversations. But I like that... When Kolchak himself starts talking about, yeah, and we, we thought it was this monster, and and Dad's like, oh yeah, a monster? Tell me more. Oh, that's really cool. Well, if it was a monster, then this and this and that. Like, they're actually like... Yeah. If it was a monster, then this makes perfect sense. Yeah. No, it's just a good scene, honestly. <clears throat> and again, 
her character is more interesting than Kolchak. Yeah. Because <laughs> you might have noticed we haven't been talking a lot about Kolchak's character. You know why? Nothing happens to Kolchak. <laughs> he doesn't do anything. He doesn't incite anything. He, he doesn't have relationships or foibles. There's an episode of the original Kolchak, The Night Stalker, where Kolchak kept trying to get to a baseball game because he connived tickets out of one of the other reporters. Mm. But every time he tries to go to the baseball game, he ends up running into an alien who's eating <laughs> metal or some shit. And he just keeps having oh, that to report was a, That was a weird alien episode. It was a weird yeah. alien episode, but it was a Kolchak episode mm. because it was all about him and his foibles. Or the one where he was forced to go onto a pleasure cruise and just report about boats. But and there was, was a werewolf on the planet. Yeah, and cruise. he didn't give a shit about any of that stuff, and he was super annoyed by all the banal stuff, but yay, werewolf! <laughs> the last episode of the Night Stalker, or just Night Stalker, I guess. Mm. It's uh, just Night Stalker. Anyway, uh, which, by the way, once again, Kolchak was not the Night Stalker. Kolchak f- found the Night Stalker. The Night Stalker was a serial killer. Mm. Boom. Anyway, moving on. The last episode is, <laughs> I just, always bugs me. Uh, Col- Kolchak. Hero, the Night Stalker, antagonist. Yeah. Boom. Hmm. Uh, Kolchak v. Night Stalker, Dawn of Mystery. <laughs> Last episode is called, What's is what's the Frequency, Kolchak? Hmm. Okay, I admit I like the title. <laughs> well, you know Any what? Any R.E.M. reference I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, it comes from the R.E.M. song, What's the Frequency? Kenneth from, a, uh, from Monster. Yeah. Uh, Great song. Underrated record. I, I I, is Monster underrated? I thought Monster was considered a classic. My my wife is the world's biggest REM fan. She's schooled me a lot on the, the way REM's career has has risen and dipped over the years. And uh, I think Out of Time was a big hit. Automatic for the People was a big hit. All, all of their records were pretty big hits. And I think Monster was their first sort of like misstep in a lot of people's minds. I love Monster. Monster's great. Well, Monster's a great album. Of course, Monster came out like right when we were the right age. I think I was sixteen, and you were it was good yeah, music on Monster. You were twelve, but yeah, good uh, music. And yeah, what's the frequency? Kenneth is on there. How does, how does distortion what, pedal? What is the over under on New Adventures in Hi Fi? Because I love that album. Oh, well, that's good too. Okay, good. All right. Anyway, just, moving just on. Don't say anything anything good about Around the Sun, and you'll be oh, fine. Who would? <laughs> uh, I actually don't think but, I've even heard that one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm less familiar with like a lot of their later work, uh, yeah. as as are many people. Anyway, but, uh, the title "What's the Frequency, Kenneth?" comes from I think it was a story told by is it Dan Rather. It might have been Dan Rather, who yeah, was, was assaulted on the street by a mentally ill person who kept on yelling that phrase at him, saying, "What's the frequency, Kenneth? What's the frequency, Kenneth?" While like beating him up. Yeah. And nobody knows what that guy was thinking, what was in his brain that caused him to yell this thing. But yeah, it was sort of just a, an indicator of mental illness. So they're rolling with that in this episode. Only this time, the the killer is Pat Healy. Yeah, uh, I like Pat Healy. Yeah, he's a good actor. Um, and he has found the code. Yeah, he in thinks Kolchak's Col- articles. Kolchak has been sending him secret messages in his articles. Kolchak hasn't been, but he he's uh, obsessive compulsive and he believes he's seeing something. Uh, and he drags, he kidnaps Kolchak, and brings Kolchak to his creepy apartment of horror, which may or may not have a monster in one of the rooms, which is actually well, handled in a really scary way. The opening scene is really terrifying because he puts somebody in a wheelchair and starts pushing the wheelchair away from him with like a broom toward like down a long hallway that's really badly lit and uh, toward this opening black space in the room at the end of the hallway. And you see uh, 
on the walls are like a bunch of claw marks. So he's done this a bunch. Yeah, people trying it's, to it's, scratch yeah. their it's, way it's out. It's like a yeah. Saw movie all of a sudden. It's really, yeah. really spooky. And they push him into this dark space and something horrible happens. Like blood sprays out. And when he talks to Kolchak, when he brings Kolchak back mm-hmm. to his house... He says things to Kolchak that are super specific and odd, like, nah, the, the creature that lives in there lives behind the light switch. Mm. And I'm like, that's actually really creepy. Well, the, Like, that's something Stephen King would come up with. That's actually really creepy right I've, there. I've seen a lot of uh, movies and TV shows that try to get, like, dangerous, crazy uh, <laughs> lot, uh, people without really kind of understanding the way paranoid schizophrenia really works. Yeah. Um, I think the film that does it the best is The Caveman's Valentine with Samuel L. Jackson. I've never seen that one. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson's great in that movie, and I think it really understands the way uh, a paranoid schizophrenic uh, thinks and operates in the world and how they're vaguely functional in a lot of ways, but, yeah, start to see connections in the world that aren't necessarily there. Yeah. Um, And uh, I feel like in most TV shows... They just sort of start assigning these, like, random quirks to people, hoping that reads as paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah. It's like, and it turns out my, there's a ghost in my teeth, or, you know, whatever it is. Usually it's a joke when they do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I feel like nobody's really done any sort of the research. Yeah. This one is about 75% of the way there. It's actually pretty And I pretty think well, it's yeah. mostly Pat Healy who's doing it. Well, I think Pat Healy, I think uh, this episode was written by Vince Gilligan, who would mm. go on to create also Breaking... A- yeah. Also an X-Files guy. Yeah, and he went on to create Breaking Bad and Better Call oh. Saul. So he's... Oh, he's, he created Breaking Bad. I yeah, know, he's, I know. he's right. a very, very, very good writer. Right. Um, so I think that stuff really excited him. But I got to tell you something. Um, I was with this episode for a bit. Well, he kidnaps Kolchak, and it's a, a really sort of tense uh, back and forth where Kolchak's trying to get information from this guy... And they keep on talking about the old man and how the old man can kind of enter parts of Pat Healy's body. And he's been like cutting off his toes to get the old man out of his body. And uh, I think a a lot of that is really spooky and horrible. And when he leaves the room, he like tries sneaking over to uh, the outside world and calling for help. And he ends up finding help, but maybe he can't find help. It's it's pretty tense. The the, the whole kidnapping thing is pretty Mm. tense. There's things that fall really, really flat, though. For example... Kolchak is kidnapped. <coughs> you okay? Yeah, just been coughing a lot. Okay, bit, bit of a cough. Okay, uh, Kolchak has been kidnapped like minutes before Gabrielle Union's surprise birthday party, mm. and he's not there. And no one seems to think much of it because he's Kolchak. He doesn't really socialize a lot. Even yeah. Gabrielle Union's like, I'm not offended. All of a sudden, he's really antisocial. Yeah, well, they haven't is... established that in any other kind of like meaningful way. No, but, yeah. but just, just, just no one's surprised that Kolchak didn't show up to a birthday party, and even mm-hmm. Gabrielle Union's fine with it. Yeah, but then Jimmy Olsen just like, no, Kolchak wouldn't miss a birthday. <laughs> if I didn't show up to a birthday, I would expect someone to look for me. We gotta look for him. <laughs> gotta look for Kolchak. Gotta look for Kolchak. And I just don't buy any of that. It's got the heart uh, of a champion. Yeah, it's got the heart of a champion. <laughs> What's that from? It's a Homestar Runner reference. That's right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I don't buy any of that. And then um, there's this really weird bit at the end where Gabrielle Union shows up to rescue Kolchak. And, like, mm-hmm. Pat Healy sees Gabrielle Union and he, like, kills her. And you think, oh, man, this is the last episode of the show. Maybe they killed Gabrielle Union. Maybe they only got her for half a season. And then it turns out Gabrielle Union never got there. 
and it was all a figment of Kolchak's imagination, no, but Pat Healy could see her too? What? She, no, she she was there, like, for real. But she didn't get shot? But she... And she did get shot. But she seemed fine in the last scene. I'm just confused by the ending of this episode. Well, uh, I, so when, here's, here's when, what Before you watch this episode, I asked you, please pay attention yeah. to the end of this episode, because I, I was confused. I, I, I was, and it's actually really unclear what okay, happens. because they, they, I'm not they're, crazy. Uh, Colt, uh, Pat Healy is pushing people into this mysterious room where people are dying, and he pushes, like, one guy in there, and we think he's dead. And at the end of the episode, uh, Gabrielle Union, real Gabrielle Union, is actually shot in the belly. And pushed into the room, and we think, oh no, she's dead, and then we wheel around and we see her standing there, and we realize, oh crap, this is the old man, this like ghostly presence that Pat mm. Healy has been talking about has actually manifested itself in a way that Kolchak can see it. So this, oh, that's so what's supposed to So happen. it's okay. real, and... And then, uh, through some contrivances, he ends up getting pushed into the, the evil room anyway, and when he falls back in there, everybody's just sort of in there. And there's no monster. Like, the monster somehow got out. And that's the way the episode ends. Everybody's just okay. Was everybody just okay? I thought there were, some of them were dead. Well, there, there were, like, there was dead people from previously, but all the characters from the show were okay. And they and they took Gabrielle Union away in a, an ambulance. That's just confusing. Her. But, the, okay. It's just a confusing think, yeah. ending to an otherwise good episode. Um, yeah, all the Pat Healy stuff is really good. But, yeah, the yeah. actual monster, they don't actually bother describing it. And the, the actual end of the episode is just unclear. And yeah. also, wasn't Kolchak a reporter? <laughs> Wasn't he? Shouldn't this have been... Like, I understand, like, his articles uh, caught the attention of a paranoid schizophrenic. That's fine. That's something you can do. But I, I feel like they lost the angle with a lot of these later episodes, well, yeah. where it wasn't... It, the premise wasn't any longer about a reporter investigating. It was just about people doing stuff. Yeah. Um, and you don't ever want your show just to be reduced to people doing stuff. Yeah, no, Kolchak lost its way real, real quick. It's the kind of show that if it had continued, the structure is so simple that there could have been really great episodes of it. Yeah. But you had ten, and I think you had maybe two and a half okay ones. Some of them were pretty good. Some of them were okay, but none of them were like, oh, what a great episode. I'm so glad it exists. <laughs> they were just like, these are decent episodes of a Supernatural TV series. Like, Freaky Links had a better average than this. Freaky Links was quite good, actually. Well, like, you know like what I mean, it's, though. It like, started weak, but it got stronger real fast. That's what I mean, though. Like, you know, you're, 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 what was that show we, uh, uh Dead Last. Oh, there you go. That yeah. one had a, that one was about a, a, a very close, similar to Freaky Links. Yeah, 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 but it was about a bunch of Kip teenagers who ended up getting cursed so that they could talk to ghosts, and every episode they wound up talking to different ghosts. Mm. Better average than this, yeah. and when the supernatural mystery genre, yeah, this is like two and a half good episodes out of a ten episode half season. That's not good. No, no that's no. not good at all. I, I think the the biggest failing is really the casting of Stuart, Stuart Townsend. That's the biggest problem. Uh, yeah. Kolchak, look, okay, fine. Give him a tortured backstory. Fine. That's fine. I understand you worked on the X-Files. The X-Files was in the 90s. The 90s are still in your head. You need the tortured <laughs> backstory. Fine. <laughs> Go with it. I don't care. If you're going to do it, get a quirky actor. Just get, or, uh, or even not even or, quirky, just someone with a lot of personality. Yeah, and I, w I wouldn't even have said that about Duchovny, necessarily. Yeah. D Duchovny is a, a little bit of a subtler actor. You don't really notice how weird he is until you start seeing a couple episodes, and he starts throwing in these like little weird habits, and he yeah. has a little bit of a sense of humor to him. But you had ten episodes to do that, and mm. you didn't. No, not for a second did they do it. Yeah. 
They didn't even give him like a really contrived habit. Like, oh, and it turns out he really loves yogurt. I was watching this uh, with Michelle. And which, which uh, actually, that was Burn Notice. That, oh, <laughs> yeah. that how they love yogurt. In uh, Burn uh, Notice. Uh, that's also a, a gag in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Terry Crews's character has a thing about yogurt. Oh, weird. Uh, okay. yeah, people like yogurt. Uh, but no, I was watching this film and I was like, you know what? Could have helped. I mean, it wouldn't have fixed anything. Hmm. But I honestly think it would have helped. Okay. Everything is the same. Like we're just stuck with Stuart, Stuart Townsend. He's he's who we got. Yeah. He's who the he's who the network liked. <laughs> How do we fix it? He's not that interesting an actor. Sadly, we're we don't seem terribly interested in spiking the script and giving him more to work with. What do we do to make Kolchak more interesting? I can solve your whole problem with twenty dollars. Pork pie hat. <laughs> <laughs> he just wears the hat. He wears a pork pie hat the whole time. Never talks about it. Mm. It's just a thing he does. It's outdated and weird. And nobody ever talks about it. And it's just like, well, I guess he's interesting enough to wear a pork pie hat in the early 2000s. So you think you can save the show just with a slight change in wardrobe? I think it couldn't have hurt. I think it All really right. would have helped. And I think you would say to yourself, yeah, he's kind of boring and generic, but he wears that hat. I mean, how 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 <laughs> conventional could he be? Like... It's got to be something off about him, right? It's really something. Let's stick or, around for twenty more episodes. Or was like a Kangol cap, just something, something to- totally something, not. He wears uh, a not bolo flattering. tie, just something weird, <laughs> just something that's just unusual about him that mm. he just constantly does. Or, or, or like you look at. Um, I mean, there was no, there was more to the character, but you look at. Um, <coughs> uh Telly Savalas with the with the lollipop. Oh, who loves you, baby? Who loves you, baby? Oh. Kojak. Kojak. I couldn't remember because it was too much like Kojak. Kojak. Ko- Kojak. But just the fact that like, he's trying to quit smoking, he's got the lollipop. It's a little thing, but it, course, it really tell, makes it Tilly interesting. Tilly Savalas is also an overwhelmingly charismatic performer. I realize but, uh, that, but just but regardless, people remember that about Ko- mm. about Kojak. That's was, an important thing. The lollipops. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little thing that counts. Mm. I think it all counts. I think when you're creating a character, you want that character to stand out. You want to give that character something significant. It's the reason why every time they replace the Doctor on Doctor Who, mm. the new Doctor gets a garb, a getup, a yeah, unique some, set of clothes just like for the, that the, Doctor. The question mark brooch or the bow tie yeah. or the fez. Yeah, or the or the broccoli in the breast pocket instead of a flower, mm. you know? like or, or celery, but yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, celery. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's... That tells you a lot about that character, you know. Give it. It's the reason Wes Anderson does this a lot. He firmly believes that every character should have a uniform. Yeah, because that says a lot about them. Well, they they work hard to look and be who they are. And then you just you see, okay, this is the kind of person who would always wear a Boy Scout uniform or would always wear a, a pork pie hat. Mm-hmm. Boom, interesting. Anyway, that's done the Night Stalker. Now, uh, what? Usually when we talk about what could have happened in 100 episodes, we have to speculate. Because yeah. a lot of the shows we review uh, don't have a lot of information about that, if indeed the showrunners even knew. Uh, Frank Spotnitz, on the other hand, apparently did have plans, and uh, some of those plans have been revealed. Which is weird, given how lazy the show is. Like, it doesn't have some sort of... Propul- like, apart from the two-parter, yeah. there's not, like, one propulsive mystery that really is driving a lot of the show. It all, it's all really contrived and not creative. Well, the, the things that I can say for certain that I thought were interesting, mm-hmm. based on what Frank Spotnitz said, there's a lot of stuff that just wasn't. This character would have come back. I don't give a shit. Hmm. Uh, those bikers were okay. actually the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Like, literally oh. the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Well, I guess they broadcasted that pretty well. Yeah, that was pretty obvious. Like, you, you actually, like, guessed it. I was like, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, the mark on Kolchak's wrist. Hmm? The mark of evil. 
Not not of the devil. No, no, no. Of evil. They, they just left out a letter. People who have that mark on their wrist and are alive hmm. are evil. But okay. if you have that mark on your wrist and you're dead, like Kolchak's wife, hmm. you were good. Ah. Yeah. So it's that's, confusing. That, yeah, I was about dumb. to say, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good idea. Um, oh, God. Okay. The, the, other, the only other interesting thing I thought... Which raises questions, and I kind of wish we could have gotten to this. Hmm. Uh, was okay, so you know that anonymous source Carl was trying to track down, hmm. played by hmm. who? Who do you think? Oh, I don't know. I don't by. know yeah. who was played by initially because it might have they might have changed that later. Frank who, Black. It was Frank Black from Millennium. I can tell you who the character was supposed to be, regardless of who played them in the episode. Oh, who was it? Supposed, it was going to be the devil, wasn't it? Carl Kolchak. Oh, it was another Carl Kolchak for like from the future or something. I don't know if it was from the future or who was just him talking to himself. And he had, like, psychic visions uh, or something. Uh, I don't know. But it was going to just be Carl Kolchak. Uh, if, if you get, like, two Stuart Townsends, that might be interesting. Like, Could he's on. talking to another person. It's this weird sort of David Lynchian yeah. whose identity is whose sort of thing. Yeah. Could have been fun. Mm. Uh, I don't know how that was going to play out, but that would have been the gag. Would have been a funny mm, reveal. Would have been, right. The reveal would have been neat. Like, ooh, what does that mean? Or would have been it would have been uh, Darren McGavin. Oh, that would have been fun. Darren McGavin playing his dad or something. Wait, was, Darren McGavin was still alive when this was made, right? Yeah, he only passed away kind of recently. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah, so he could have done it. Um, Anyway, Mm. so that's what would have happened. Mostly I'm unimpressed. Uh, Yeah. About, about, like, their plans. It's cool that they had them, I guess, Mm. but honestly, none of those those are super Mm. compelling and make me go, ooh, I wish I'd seen more. Excuse me, uh, Darren McGavin passed away in 2006. It was a while ago. Okay, so he, he, that was one year, the year after they made the show. Yeah, so he would have, might have been... Could have, could have made lively it. enough to do it. Could yeah. have made it. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, so that's been it for the Night Stalker. I think there have been some comics of Night Stalker since then. Of, uh, of this Night Stalker? No, the Darren oh. McGavin one. At least it's my understanding. Um, oh, yeah. And, the, and like, there might have been some books or something like that. But this is it for this iteration of Night Stalker. Uh, it aired on TV a few more times on Chiller and Sci-Fi. And there was a DVD release with all the episodes that weren't even aired, Mm -hmm. uh, which is obviously what we watched. And um, then that's that. I I have a bit of a weakness for the Paranormal Investigator show just because I was raised on the X-Files and I like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. I I even watched Special Unit 2. Uh, (laughs) Nobody remembers Special Unit 2. It's a genre you and I are particularly fond of. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I know when, when they're doing it right, when they're sort of sleepwalking and when they're whizzing it. And... Yeah, they they just didn't do it right. They're they're, they're sleepwalking as they whizzed. I, I guess so. They're yeah. they're they're just sort of taking a really lazy approach, which is a really frustrating. Given that we already had the X Files, we had the boat pushed out. You would think other shows would sort of take cues from the X Files and go a little further with it, or do something with a new tone. Like Special Unit Two is another paranormal investigator show. It's about cops who live in this. But it has more of a tone of, like, Men in Black, where it's kind of, like, quirky and strange and comedic. Yeah, they like, work with the monsters, remember? Yeah, like, well, there, there's yeah, monsters UPN, on right? the staff. It was a UPN show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're, like, trying to do the same thing, but, like, yeah, push it a little bit further and take it in a new direction. This is, like, the X-Files never existed. It comes from a parallel universe where they're trying this out for the first time. Yeah. When it's already been outdone by something that debuted, like, 15 years before. And... It was, was ins- it was 93, so yeah, yeah like 12 years before. And was inspired by the original Kolchak, which had more personality than this new show. Again, I get it's the early 2000s. You're going for a different kind of edgy. Hmm. That was your first mistake. Hmm. Kolchak was never edgy. It was kind of dark sometimes, but it was never edgy. Kolchak was actually kind of retro 
like even when it started. Yeah. You like, know, like it's the character himself. Yeah, this kind of plucky reporter who always sticks up for the truth. I mean, that's something you'd hear on a radio show in the 30s. <laughs> like it's really really old-fashioned. Mm. I think that's they they in trying to update Kolchak the Night Stalker, mm. they removed the thing about Kolchak the Night Stalker that made it worth remaking in the first place, which is Darren McGavin. And specifically, <laughs> not just him, the actor, but like mm. what he brought to the character. Yeah. Kolchak should have been a fuddy-duddy. Kolchak should have been a relic. Kolchak mm. should have been, or a very, or if you want to play him younger, an idealist. <laughs> you need an idealist. You yeah. either need someone who's old enough to remember when idealism mattered and took down the Nixon administration, or someone who's young enough, who isn't jaded yet, who is actually, like, you, you bring in Ethan Embry. Oh, there you go. Like, I know he was in Freaky well, Lakes, yeah, but, he, say, but he would have been good him. in this. He would have been a good young Kolchak. I think you would have brought a lot of verve to it, we, but we, he already played that role in Freaky Lights. I know. I'm just saying, like that's you could have gotten that young a character. That's true. You could have done that. That mm. could have been one way to go. Or fuck it, get Gabrielle Union. Oh, why not? Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's right she's, there. She's right there. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen. How like, about they're, they're, okay, here's how you fix the show. Yeah, Stuart Townsend's written out, and through some sort of weird psychic rigmarole, oh, is now uh, like sharing a body with Gabrielle Union. Bass. No, you don't want her to have, like, conversations with, with no, Kolchak in her head? I don't care. Especially not episode one. Like, no, like, episode one. Season two, episode no, one. Like, you, you pick up. I don't... Gabrielle Union is the one doing all of these things. Uh, occasionally, we hear, like, a voiceover from Stuart Townsend. And in so in this big transfer, now he's a little stranger. No. So he says weird things. I don't mind. Here's what Kind of like in, in RoboCop, how he had the RoboCop series where he had that uh, holographic uh, confidant. I think you're making it more complicated than it needs right. to be. Here's, here's the thing... That Night Stalker doesn't have that we can use to our advantage if we want to make a better second season. That Kolchak the Night Stalker did have hmm. the word Kolchak in the title. <laughs> Just call it Kolchak. No, hmm. you keep it Night Stalker. Right. You get rid of Kolchak. Oh, that's true. We don't Kolchak, need Kolchak. You fridge Kolchak. Perfect. Kolchak <laughs> vanishes at the end of the first season. Oh. That can be a bit of a mystery. Maybe Gabrielle Union investigates that for a bit. But Kolchak has introduced her to this weird world of the supernatural. And now she's going to do the investigating. And unlike like when Mulder left the X-Files after like five, six, seven seasons. And it felt a little off. Now yeah. that Scully was the believer. Uh, here... We didn't have that much invested in it already. We really didn't establish much. I mean, Kolchak was kind of a boring figure. And we already have an editor, and we have a Jimmy Olsen type, yeah. and, we have, and we have the wisecracking pathologist. She's enough. She already has a team. She's the new Night Stalker. Done. Perfect. Get rid of Tudor Townsend. And then, and then you have like a regular column in like the LA Weekly where she mm -hmm. has to work because she got fired from the newspaper for publishing too much of the supernatural truth. There you go. And her new weekly column in the LA Weekly is called The Night Stalker. <laughs> and it's talking about all the weird shit that happens at night in this town. Or heck, she just starts her own rag called the Night Stalker. Also fine. Which is, you know, of course, that's also borrowing from the lone gunman. No, nah, because here's what you miss with that, though, is you don't have that editor telling her to, to, to knock it off. Mm. You need you need her not to be in complete control of it. Okay. Because then she's just telling you what but, it is. Yeah, you, need, you need a little bit of conflict at the fair, publication, fair, I fair, think. Yeah. And so I think you give her just a different... And that's the thing that happened with Kolchak. Kolchak got fired twice mm. from newspapers and kicked out of two separate cities <laughs> before <laughs> the first episode of the show. Perfect. So, you, yeah, there you go. That's how you fix it. So if, and only if, mm. 
they kill Kolchak and let Gabrielle Union become the Night Stalker. I say it was canceled too soon. However, since I see absolutely no evidence they would have actually done that, uh-huh. the show is not canceled too soon. Yeah, they're, they're, well, I mean, even if you got rid of Kolchak and you stayed on with the same team of writers and you're pursuing the same types of mysteries and you're still not getting very good writing, yeah. then no, no, I, 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 I do not think this was canceled too soon. Every once in a while, I just I see a show where it's like, there's like this isn't I, very I, good, but I, I feel I, like I could have fixed it. Like I feel like, like I could have helped. You know, this is like fifty percent good. We just need to rework what the good parts that we have. Yeah, it's, it's annoying because honestly. We're overdue for another Kolchak. I think you make mm. another Kol- No, because now with Here, journalism the way it is right now, I think a character like Kolchak mm. could really resonate. A TV series or feature film? Because I think I think a Kolchak film might play pretty well. Mm, I say maxi series. Do like a five episode and, Netflix and, expensive thing. And, and you know who plays Kolchak at the Night Stalker in the movie? John frickin' Ham. Because John Ham would knock that out of the park. I think he would have. There was a there was talk. <laughs> Of Johnny Depp playing Kolchak like ten years oh, ago. Yeah. I think Edgar Wright was even gonna do it, which would have been kind of interesting. That would have been interesting. David you got David Kep. David well, yeah, I mean David Kep would have been fine. Um there's a lot of people who do a good Kolchak story. I, I thoroughly believe that. Yeah. Um so I hope we haven't seen the last of Kolchak. I do hope that the next time we do it, it's from people who are more interested in what made Kolchak Kolchak. Mm-hmm. And if they do change things, it's not to make it sort of generically modern. Yeah. Like, if you're going to change something, change it, but have fun. Mm. Convince me that changing it was a good idea. Because everything about that they changed about this version mm. just isn't very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bam shame is what they, it they is. They updated it in the wrong in the wrong ways. <laughs> you did a bad reboot, Petey. <laughs> um, so that's it for Ghastly Tober this year. Thank everybody for listening. Uh, we will be back real, real soon. And we promise a, you on Within this. a few days. Seriously, well, like later, like this weekend at the latest. Mm. Uh, because we have to get into Suddenly Last Season. Uh, if you're new to the show, every year we try to dedicate an entire month to TV shows that were only just recently canceled. So usually we do it in September. We moved it this year for practical reasons. Uh, and this year we've got some really exciting shows lined up. We're also going to have a big poll mm. on our Patreon page where you get to decide what one of the shows is going to be in November. And we are finalizing uh, the list of those shows, and that'll go up in a day or two. But uh, it's going to be all sci-fi shows. Mm. Not necessarily sci-fi channel. There's a couple of those. But like science fiction shows that got canceled this last year. After going only one season. You can pick which one you want us to review. We will review it. But coming up first is a show that is incredibly acclaimed. Mm-hmm. And it is, in fact, one of the reasons why we postponed Suddenly Last Season. Because it looked like it might get picked up yeah. by another network. Because it was acclaimed and wonderful. And I'm going to tell you right now, spoiler alert, I'm a huge fan. I, Whitney hadn't watched it yet. So I don't know I, what he I, thinks. I watched some of it, but I had, I've I've yeah completed it since then. We'll 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 talk about it in great detail real real soon because we are going to review Netflix's Tuca and Birdie, the animated series. Yeah, created by Lisa Hannah Walt. Full disclosure, friend of mine, not a close friend mm-hmm. necessarily, but we work together. If you saw each other I, uh, in public, you would you would say hello. I would say hello. I walked her dog. Got yeah. to, I fed pills to her cat once when she went out of town. Yeah. Okay. So, it was uh, a while ago. It was a while ago, yeah. but yeah, the, the, b- before she had hit it big. Yeah, but you don't feel like you're so close you can't talk about her show. 
No. no. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, full disclosure. There you go. But yeah, we're going to talk about Tuca and Birdie on the next Cancelled Too Soon. And uh, I'm not going to tell you everything else we're going to review in November, but I can tell you that one of them rhymes with Thwomp Fwing. <laughs> because we got a lot of requests for Thwomp Fwing. And we'll get to it. Thwomp Thing. Blomp Bling. Oh, wait, Thing is the actual title. I just gave Sh- it away. Damn it! <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to it. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we are on uh, Twitter. We are on Twitter at CancelCast and Critic Acclaim. Uh, we're doing more posting on Critic Acclaim lately than CancelCast. Sort of Trying to easing cons- on consolidate over. a little bit. We're yeah. keeping CancelCast alive, but it's mostly just letting you know when new Cancel Too Soon episodes are, are up. Mm-hmm. Moment ahead on over to at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. As always, we give a very special thank you to our Patreon subscribers. We are Every cur- last one of you, thank you so much. We are currently at patreon.com slash critic acclaim, but this is the last like warning we're going to do in that. Real, real soon, we're changing that uh, to another name for some mm-hmm. practical reasons. The only thing that will affect you if you're already subscribed is you might have to change your RSS feed. Everyone else, nothing else changes. There's just going to be a new link in a few uh, in a few episodes. And you're still so. going to get all of the content. We're yeah. not we're not going to slow down because of this. All right, that's enough warnings on that. I'm just going to bite the bullet on that one. So, um, and uh, yeah, anyway, we'll be back soon with Tuca and Bernie. Check out all the other stuff at our channel. We got letters, episodes, new movie reviews, all kinds of cool exclusives on Patreon. Thank you everybody for being totally awesome. And that's a wrap. We'll see you next season.